Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Hashtag Morris Mondays. I am Terrell Turner, creator of this wonderful uh, show. Um, again, I have the pleasure of interviewing my wonderful pastor, the Reverend Dr. James T. Morris, pastor of the historic Carter Tabernacle Christian Methodist Episcopal Church in Orlando, Florida, and presiding elder of the Central Florida District district of the uh, Christian Methodist Episcopal Church in Orlando, Florida. Again, thank you so much, Pastor Morris, for this opportunity. Good afternoon, Terrell. Thank you. I'm glad to be with you, as always. Yes. Again, people love it, so we're continuing it. So if you want to send us some questions that I can ask Pastor Morris, feel free to definitely send them our way. So let's jump right into it. Okay. So nationally, um, Statistics show that uh, church attendance has fallen. Um, what is your stance on that? And how do you feel um, that churches uh, have adapted to it? Or how do you feel that they should adapt to it? Well, unfortunately, the church attendance, the statistics are proving correct. Uh, that people are falling away from the church. And I think that's because of the idea that the church does not seem as relevant um, as it was in years gone by. I don't think the premise of the church failing to be relevant is really the case. I think the case is that the world in which we live in has changed so much. Um, just think, for example, where once people got their news from newspapers and um, because the newspaper was the venue in which the word got out, newspapers were popular. Then came radio and TV. And when radio and TV came around, the circulation of newspapers declined. Uh, then they started to level off, and um, then came social media. And with the age of social media, uh, the quick turnaround for getting information out is now a matter of moments. Some things happen simultaneously uh, with cell phones. People can record breaking news. And if you go on your social media, whatever it might be, you can get the news as it's happening. So that rendered this continuation, the steady decline of the newspaper and also of uh, radio news. Uh, radio is in trouble now. I gave those examples <clears throat> to say that the church has become victim of the same processes. Um, the church now is like we are right now, like we are on Sunday mornings. We're live streaming. We are Facebook Live. Uh, we are other venues. Um, and so people don't have to come to church anymore uh, to get the word. They can get it driving in their car. They can get it sitting in their house. Um, so then the need to come and 
worship at the church has been diminished because of the availability of worship where you are, whatever's going on. Um, and people are doing everything by social media now. Um, people are even dating now by social media, okay? Um, they're texting. There's less personal, interpersonal relationships. Interpersonal communication has gone down. The church suffers because of that, because the church is a institution whereby fellowship and uh, worshiping together um, has been the way it's been done since the uh, institution of the church. That's no longer the case in this society. Um, and so people don't feel the need anymore for that interpersonal interaction. So I think that that's the reason why um, church attendance is falling off. I don't think that the relevancy of the church um, is uh, any less than it has been. Um, I just think that it's reaching fewer people in terms of being able to um, uh, connect them with advocacy issues. We, we don't know. Um, at the church level, you have people to come back and they'll say, Pastor, um, I did A, B, or C, or I went to this, I went to that. Social media, I don't know who, like for instance, um, um, last Sunday, last Sunday, I made the cry for advocacy um, and supporting Black Lives Matter and the chant of no justice, no peace. Well, I don't know how many people that reached um, uh, because of our social media now. Um, I hope it reached some and there were uh, there are people who will go out and do it, but <clears throat> we, we don't have a, a way to, to, to gauge that. On the other hand, um, social media has caused us to be able to reach more people uh, than we could if our worship was just in the sanctuary. Okay. Because you only then reach primarily those people who are in the sanctuary. And with a few, we were live streaming. Uh, but now with us being on Facebook Live and other uh, media uh, outlets, we're reaching more people than we've ever reached before. Um, so that's why I don't think the church has declined in its relevancy. Um, it is still relevant. Um, it's just Terrell that there are so many other voices out there now. Like I said earlier, that people can hear now via these platforms um, that make the church has makes the church has to compete now. And so we have to compete now in ways we haven't competed before. Just like radio is competing, TV is competing. There are people now that have podcasts like mine. There are people now who have shows like like this one that are on uh, social media uh, that have bypassed the traditional way of getting the word out there. So it's changing. And so what the church has to do is the church has to learn how to change with the times. Now that's one of the, one of the places where I think the church um, has been slow. Uh, to respond. But now, with the COVID-19 situation, we are forced now to doing things differently. 
we're forced now to learning how to meet via Zoom, uh, conference call, conference meetings. Um, whereas we didn't do that before. We, we all came to the church for the meetings. And if you were concerned, you came. If you didn't care, you didn't come. Uh, well, that's all changed now. And so the church is um, coming on now. I'm glad to see it. Uh, on any given Sunday now, you can see hundreds of worship services um, that you couldn't see before. So I think that the church has the opportunity to be just as relevant today via social media as it was in the 50s and 60s when uh, people still flocked to the churches to hear what they needed to hear to mobilize them uh, into some kind of advocacy, some kind of action. Okay. I wanted to get your opinion on two recent kind of stories uh, that came out in the past few weeks. Um, speaking of COVID-19, um, well, what is your opinion on the Trump administration um, canceling data um, of COVID-19 cases from, uh, to the CDC um, from the hospitals? What's your opinion on that? Such a move was unconscionable, unconscionable. Um, the attempt to hide data from the public is merely an attempt to diminish the um, potency of this virus um, because it goes to the um, debate about wearing face masks. Why should you wear face masks? You know, I saw a woman on the news the other day who said that uh, she shouldn't, it should not be mandated of her uh, to wear a face mask. And uh, I thought, well, you're just as ridiculous as you sound. Um, because um, that was the same cry people made against seatbelts. And yet it's proven that wearing seatbelts save lives. So if it's proven that a seatbelt can save a life, as the CDC has said, wearing masks will save lives and will uh, bring the curve down on the number of cases um, that people are uh, being uh, contracting this virus, why wouldn't you want to wear a mask? So the Trump administration is trying to lessen the impact of COVID-19 because it does not want to admit that it has dropped the ball completely on this pandemic. People are dying. People have died. People will continue to die because of the inactivity of the Trump administration. I mean, they're just, they're like deer in headlights, um, denying the science, um, denying what our physicians are telling us. Um, and so it's crazy. And all they're trying to do is try to hold the numbers low so that the president can get on and say, well, our testing is working. We're testing more than any nation in the world. All of this, we're the greatest. I did this and I did that. And if I hadn't done it, eh, that's all a bunch of malarkey, uh, as Joe Biden would say. Um, and so he's just trying to help himself get reelected. Sorry, your impression of him gets me every time. <laughs> um, I try and hold uh, off on it too because I I, I I do it quite often. 
Um, so there's this battle going on um, of schools opening up in the fall. What is your honest opinion of that? Do you feel that schools should be open in the fall? Do you feel that classes should be held just strictly online? Opening schools for person-to-person -person teaching is asinine with this virus the way it is, particularly in places like Florida, where we've become the epicenter. It does not make sense to force, number one, teachers, uh, staff, administrators to put themselves in harm's way, children to come in who, are, who, who may or may not be sick, but they interact with other kids who are sick, and then they take it back home to their communities. In many places, they take it back to where people have no insurance, uh, where people have no health care. Uh, and so um, the death rate will continue to um, get out of hand. The number of COVID-19 cases will continue to rise. I think it is foolish, absolutely foolish. And I know for myself, if I, my boys, my young men now, were still school-age children, I don't care what anybody says, I will not send them into the classroom to subject them to this virus. It just makes no sense. So what we should do is have distance education. We should continue to do that until this pandemic has been uh, corralled, uh, until we have contact tracing, until the numbers go down, until a vaccine, uh, a proven vaccine is out there. We are putting our most precious commodity, our children, at risk. The CDC just came out, or was it Dr. Fauci? I'm not sure which it was, talking about the effects. We don't even know yet the effects that the virus is going to have on the human body long term. For instance, children who contract the virus, but might be asymptomatic. The virus is still in them. We don't yet know what kind of damage the virus is doing that's gonna affect these, our precious commodity 10, 15 years down the road. So what sense does it make to force children, teachers, staff back to work? It's all a political game. The Trump administration is trying to say again, we've opened the economy back up. We're back to business as usual. This would not have been possible had I not done this, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mimic him this time. Had, had I not done that, um, and I'm the one that's opened the economy back up and uh, jobs are coming back. And, you know, that's all he saw. That's all. That's all. That's the only reason why he wants to do it is so that he can say that he has led America out of a crisis, which he has led America in and which he is by and large responsible for. Um, is there someone that you look to for inspiration daily? 
I honestly can, I honestly say no. Um, my inspiration comes from um, my faith walk. My inspiration comes from reading scripture. My inspiration comes through my meditation periods with the Lord. And so um, I try and operate under the auspices of the Holy Spirit um, and how it leads and guides me. So there is not one human being that I can point to that is my source of inspiration or that um, prompts me to do the things that I should do. Um, I do them because um, it is part of my DNA. It's part of who I am. Uh, Terrell, I <clears throat> have never been one that would go along to get along. Um, if I see a problem, I see a wrong, I see something that I feel needs to be corrected, then I'm going to grab the bull by the horns and go at it myself. And I don't need any other person to inspire me, if you will, uh, to do that. Okay. Uh, well, my next question was, um, what other book than the Bible do you feel has influenced your life or do you feel that the Bible is just the inspiration? What other book has inspired? Terrell, I've read thousands of books, so it's hard for me to um, point to any one book that has um, that's a, that's a deep question. I, I would really need to give that some thought. Really need to give that some thought to, to determine whether or not there's, there's one book that has been such an impact on my life. Many of the authors, many of the authors have said things, written things that um, I have hung my hat on. So it's hard to, it's hard to give one. I'm sorry, I just can't do that. Okay, we'll, we'll we'll mention it in the future episode. Um, okay, um, two more questions. Um, in your opinion, what do you feel is the proudest or the um, the biggest moment in Black history? There are several watershed events. Well, and I would guess the one that takes on the most preeminence is the civil rights movement uh, of the 60s, what it meant. Um, every time I see uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson, who was president, uh, hold a joint session of Congress after Bloody Sunday on the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Alabama. Um, and he talked to the nation and tell the nation that the plight of the African Americans is the plight of all of us. Um, when I hear him conclude that speech with the <clears throat> famous uh, hymn of the 
protest, we shall overcome. And he ended his speech by saying that that was a seminal moment because it ushered in uh, the Voting Rights Act and um, giving us as African-Americans the right to vote was an important step. And that's why I'm so frustrated with the fact that all the years since 1964-1965, we still had to keep fighting for the right to vote. Um, and then we have the uh, deaf angel of the Senate, Mitch McConnell, who likes to consider himself the deaf angel because all he does is kill bills particularly bills that are designed to help the disenfranchised, bills that are designed to help black folks in, in our struggle for equality. He kills all of those bills. It's just frustrating. Um, and um, when a man like that can say, we ought to be happy, that things are better than they were in the 60s. You know, that, 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 that raises the hair up on the back of my neck. Um, it, it, it makes me, who, who not a violent person, <laughs> consider violence mm -hmm. um, when I hear certain things like that. Um, so the 60s, the civil rights movement, um, were great events um, that we have benefited from as a people, but we're still having to fight. Um, as I mentioned in my sermon, uh, not Sunday, but the Sunday before, um, I talked about um, how the Supreme Court has struck down what the people voted for in Florida. The people voted that those who have done their time, paid their debt to society, we voted that they should have their rights to vote restored and then to have the Supreme Court to strike that down. It's just another form of voter suppression because it's aimed at mostly you and I, we're the ones who by and large were incarcerated. We're the ones that have gotten out, but now we can't vote because of past indiscretions. If past indiscretions were a reason for people not voting, half of the, no, 75% of this country couldn't vote because of past indiscretions. And so it's just foolish. Uh, so then to get back to your question, uh, the civil rights era, the civil rights era was most impactful uh, to me. And lastly, what's next for Reverend Dr. James T. Morris? What's next? Well, as I, through the grace of God, and the help of this wonderful congregation, we 
stabilize Carter, advocacy is on. Because that's one of my passions. I've been able to do kind of hit and miss things as time would allow. But advocacy, which is ministry, is back on the agenda 24-7. Just take, for example, a few weeks ago, we fed, because of advocacy, because of ministry, we fed over 1,700 families in Orlando. 1,700 fed by one congregation, one congregation's efforts. We've only just begun. We've only just begun. So once I am freed up from these these lingering court issues, once I'm freed up from worrying about our stability, then I can show you what ministry is about. And that's what's next for Carter from my window. Carter has a long history of doing ministry, being active in the community. But because of our current situation, the situation I found myself in when I made my splash down here, then that's been, we're going on seven years and we've had to deal with the issue that I was handed when I got here. We're coming out of that now. So the next thing we're going to do is get back to being more relevant in the lives of people in this community. I can't wait. I can't wait. Because I'm going to have to put you to work too. <laughs> There's some things I'm going to be expecting out of you um, to help us to do. And so um, I'm excited about our future. I truly am. Because we are a people that has a goodly heritage. Our record in this community is good. Uh, 104 plus years, we've been uh, catalysts for change. Um, And so I'm looking forward to us reigniting that uh, in the community. I went somewhere the other day, Terrell, and I introduced myself, and they said, oh, we know you, Pastor Paul Tabernacle. And I said, oh, you, you know me? Yeah, we know you. We've seen you on TV. We've heard you on the radio. We've read some of your op-eds in the newspaper. Oh, yeah, we know you. And I said, well, praise the Lord. Uh, you're going to know more of me in the coming months. <laughs> so I'm looking forward uh, to Carter reclaiming its uh, goodly heritage Uh, and its place in the life and witness of Orlando. Speaking of uh, what happened a few weeks ago with the drive-through distribution, isn't there one coming up? Yes, we're doing another one on August the 8th. That's on a Saturday, August the 8th. Um, And so if you uh, uh, are struggling to put food on the table, you're working two or three jobs, and once you pay your rent and, pay gas to get back and forth to those two jobs and uh, pay for your uh, 
medications and etc., and you finding it difficult to put food on the table, Carter Tabernacle is here for you. August the 8th, all you have to do is get in your vehicle, drive over here, or somebody else's vehicle, ride over here, and we're going to fill up your trunk. We're going to put food in the back of your truck. And I'm not talking about just some lettuce and some carrots and some cucumbers and some tomatoes or some apples. I'm talking about real food. I'm talking about food you want to serve, your family. I'm talking about meat. I'm talking about vegetables. I'm talking about uh, fruits. Uh, I'm talking about cheese and milk. I'm, I'm talking the whole gamut. Um, you, you need that assistance? We're here for you on August the 8th. And Terrell, we are already working on the second date in August. And uh, let me check here. I think that second date has already uh, been established that it Ooh, is going it is going exclusive for Morris Mondays. What's that? It's an what exclusive that? for Morris Mondays. <laughs> That's right. Here first. <laughs> that the next date is August the 20th. So the 8th of August and the 20th of August. And we're hoping that our numbers will increase, that we'll move from 1,700 to 2,000 on on up. We're getting ready for it. We're planning already. And so we're looking to help out in this community. And more details on those will be forthcoming on our social media platforms. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The times and et cetera will be available to you. I think it's probably going to be about the same time as we had before. And I think that was from nine to two or something along those lines. I, I don't remember, um, but it's something along those lines. But that information, you'll get it and it'll be on our social media. Again, thank you so much, Pastor Morris, for this opportunity to do a Q&A with you. Well, thank you, Terrell. Good to be with you as always. And remember, heaven is watching how we respond. God bless you. Have a good day, guys. Submit your questions today to Pastor Morris at ctcmeav at gmail.com or leave them below in the comments right here on our Facebook page. Pastor Morris is ready to answer your questions. See them featured in the next episode. You can now listen to Hashtag Morris Mondays in a podcast format available at anchor.fm slash Morris Mondays and right now on Spotify, anytime, anywhere, anyplace. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Morris Mondays there, you can get more information on Hashtag Morris Mondays, submit your questions, and listen and see exclusives from Morris Mondays. Cause if you miss it, I feel sorry, sorry for